Hi, Christian Yordanov here. Today I want to talk to you about why I tend to avoid nuts, seeds, grains for the most part, most of the time. Now, once in a while, I will eat them. I don't want to ever feel like I have to exclude something unless it's really harmful. Like, for example, seed oils like soybean oil. If I can never eat soy or sunflower seed oil again in my life, I would be happy if I can always avoid it. It's unfortunately not always possible, especially if you buy processed food or take out or eat in a restaurant, which everybody does once in a while, right? So, but I want to talk to you about why most of the time I especially avoid nuts and seeds and most grains, except basically rice. And once in a while, again, once in a while, some organic grains. Um, I do. I do like a bit of corn. Uh, um, maybe one of my guilty pleasure pleasures is corn cakes because my kid loves them, so I I have them in the house. And then when I open them, when she wants me to open a pack, then I I have one. And if I have one, I have five. If I have five, I might have ten sometimes. But again, those <clears throat> ten ten corn cakes are a hundred grams, one hundred and twenty grams. So it's not a lot of volume, and I don't do it all the time. But yeah, so white rice, organic, organic corn cakes or organic corn is what I have. And then once in a while I'll have, you know, maybe got some nuts, some roasted nuts or something here and there. Uh, but I don't really buy them anymore and I don't go out of my way to to put them in my diet for, for the reasons I'll discuss in this fairly short podcast episode. But before I start that, I just want to, remind you that I offer health consulting services for adults and children. You may know I've written a book on autism and children's health, uh, and I've worked with people from basically the age of two to about 72, and I've helped a lot of people with different issues from gut stuff, um, fatigue, brain fog, uh, kids with obviously autism, given my work with uh, with the book. Um, but just kids with gut dysfunction, allergies, just all sorts of things like that. And then for older folks, I've, I've also helped with a lot of other stuff to help them detoxify their body, improve their diet, improve their supplementation, sleep, lifestyle factors. And we have we have had some amazing results, you know, and, and we often get these results very quickly. So if you need help with some chronic health problem you've been unable to get help for you know you don't have to continue suffering with it really most of these things unless something is terminal or you've left it for way too long like 20 years most of these things can be improved and sometimes fully addressed i'm talking including things like autoimmunity including things like severe gut problems some sometimes you can completely restore your health and you know for less serious things it's it's very very possible right so get in touch with me through the website i offer free initial consultations that we can kind of understand where you're at and i can explain how i can help you and uh we can see if we would be a good fit to work together so yeah again if you if you or a loved one have the the issue at least talk to me i can i can at the very least from this free discussion that we can have, you might 
get some ideas. So you don't even have to work with me, but at least you might get some ideas that will help you with your health journey that you could, you know, take to the next practitioner or to the doctor or whatever else and ask them, run this test or what about this supplement? What about that? And geez, I, I was going to say something else and then I completely lost my train of thought. But yeah, what my aim, my aim when someone comes to work with me is to be the last practitioner that they see. Like some of the folks that come to me, that tell me I've been to an acupuncturist and I've been to a naturopath and I've been to a regular doctor and I've been to other regular doctors or whatever more specialized, you know, um, gastroenterologist or endocrinologist or whatever else. They've been to a, a Chinese medicine, a herbalist, you know, seen a shaman, like, and they don't get results. But I've when people come to me, usually that's all they need, you know. Like, especially with gut stuff, things like that, fatigue, you won't need another practitioner, you know. So talk to me. Let's talk. Anyway, to get to my little rant about why I don't eat many nuts, seeds, and grains, and um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't eat them or you should stop eating them. I'm not telling you what to do, right? Uh, but let's just say that folks that come to work work with me especially with gut stuff when we remove the the beans and the, the a lot of the grains or all of the grains they start feeling better very quickly so if you have a health problem you may want to actually consider removing some of these things so there's a couple of ways to eat nuts and seeds raw and and um roasted or cooked right and there's actually issues with both of those when they're raw, there's a lot of quote-unquote anti-nutrients, or you could even call them toxins that these seeds and nuts have. And when you think about it, what is a nut, a grain, or a bean? Well, they're all seeds. So a seed is a nut. Uh, sorry, a nut is a seed. A grain is a seed. And um, a legume is a seed. And a bean is a seed. And seeds are the babies of the plants and the the plants do not want their babies eaten they let's say in the case of a watermelon seed they want it to be eaten but it's eaten in and it passes through the the animal or the human's gastrointestinal system intact that's the idea you poop it out somewhere else so you've pooped out the seed in really good manure especially if it's like a cow or whatever or some some ruminant animal with these massive poops that they throw out uh that's the perfect environment for this new the seed to become a new plant right so that's the mechanism through which the plants propagate themselves so when you think about it do they want their seeds to to be eaten probably not right so in in the raw form, these seeds contain things like, again, anti-nutrients. And there is, even scientific papers are, are calling them anti-nutrients. In fact, I have a, a paper on PubMed.com or PubMed.gov, whatever. Um, it's called, it's in the Journal of Nutrients, big journal. 
It's called, is there such a thing as, quote-unquote, anti-nutrients, a narrative review of perceived problematic plant compounds. That's uh, published in <clears throat> 2020. So, and they have a table here. Table one in the in the paper, you can, <coughs> I'll try to remember to put the link in the episode description. A quick, quick uh, internet search uh, brought this up. I just wanted, I just wanted the list of the anti-nutrients. I have some of them in my head, but I just wanted to not, not be thinking while, while I was doing this recording and try, oh, what was that other one? What was it called? So here is the most common one. So plants, uh, or rather seeds, nuts, beans, legumes have some, one or more of these anti-nutrients in them. So that's your almonds, that's your be black beans in your burrito, that's your um, whole grains that are, you know, still purported to be healthy with the food pyramid BS that, you know, cholesterol was bad, now it's not bad. Saturated fat was bad, now it's not bad. Omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids were good. Well, they're the biggest probably cause of disease. And, of course, whole grains... Can't, can't bash whole grains, they're super good for you, all that fiber. Well, they're really not that good for you. So anyway, anti-nutrients, lectins. You may have heard of Dr. Gundry and he talks about lectins. He had that book, The Plant Paradox, which is actually a pretty, pretty good diet. I tried that diet for quite a while and I had some things like skin tags uh, on my skin and little bumps and whatever the hell. And they just uh, went away after a few months on that diet. So that diet, I don't think people should bash it and call him names until they actually try it because the man, he's, he's got some good ideas. Now, obviously, we always there's always something to disagree or agree with everybody. You know, everybody has certain blind spots and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, his, that, the, the lectin-free diet, as he calls it, or the, yeah, whatever, the Dr. Gundry diet, is pretty damn good. So lectins are found in legumes, cereal, grains, seeds, nuts, and some fruits and vegetables. And these are proteins, right? So they can be allergenic, they can cause inflammation in the body, and they can call, cause altered gut function. Then we have oxalates. So oxalates are found in spinach, big, big, massive source of oxalates. I never eat spinach. I should do another episode why I don't eat spinach. Well, that's one of the reasons right there. I need to put a reminder for that. So Swiss chard, sorrel, beet, greens, beetroot, rhubarb, nuts, uh, like almonds, legumes, against your cereal grains. Sweet potatoes and potatoes have oxalates, and they can inhibit mineral absorption, including calcium, can increase calcium kidney stone formation. So I've read elsewhere that... Um, Kidney stones are, can be up to 60% calcium oxalate, right? So these oxalates, they can, they can, basically in the gut, they form crystal compounds with magnesium, zinc, I think iron as well, and, and calcium. And that prevents you absorbing those nutrients, first of all. But if, if it happens in the body or in the gut, even whatever, uh, those crystals can get jammed and they've been found in like brain, uh, organs, kidneys, eyes, right? So oxalates can be problematic for people 
especially if they have got intestinal permeability, gut dysfunction of some kind. Then we have phytate, which is found in things like oats, so legumes, cereal grains, pseudo cereals like amaranth, quinoa, millet, nuts, and seeds. So again, grains, nuts, seeds. Phytate inhibits absorption of iron, zinc, calcium, right? So that's why I kind of stopped eating oats. I, I was kind of eating oats for a while, but now I just have meat in the morning or maybe eggs or milk or some type of animal protein with honey, you know, something to give me. Because it's. I think it's important to get glucose or, or um, carbohydrates in the morning because you've been fasting all night. So you're you're into a stress. You're into a stress um, mode in the morning, especially if you you start running around doing exercise or working or taking care of the kids. You are doing uh, you are creating glucose by breaking down muscle tissue via cortisol through the process of gluconeogenesis, and that is a stress on the body. So I believe getting some carbs in the morning is a good way. I just think for me and for many, many people, and even some of my clients are doing it now, it's better to have a tablespoon or two of honey or some freshly squeezed orange juice uh, or milk. I, I also drink uh, full-fat goat milk. Anything but grains, basically, right? So then we have goitrogens. Now, goitrogens, goiter, you know, some people that develop this sort of massive bulge uh, around the, the neck area. Brassicas, so kale, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, Chinese cabbage, broccoli, turnip greens. These are brassica vegetables. Uh, I think cauliflower as well. I think that's a brassica. They don't have it on the list here. But uh, brassicas have certain compounds and they don't list what they're called, but I think the name was something, Jesus Christ, it's one I can never remember, isothiocyanates, isothiocyanates or isothiocyanates, something like that. And those basically compete with iodine or they block the receptor, so they uh, basically in, uh, inhibit iodine absorption by the thyroid gland, and if it doesn't get enough iodine, it can cause, cause goiter. It's a derangement in the, the 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 cells of the thyroid. So, eating a lot of uh, brassicas is a terrible idea. So, anytime I start working with someone and they're eating a lot of them, thinking you know because they, it's also known that they can stimulate detoxification enzymes in the um, the phase two pathway in the liver. If you eat uh, a lot of cabbage, or if you eat cabbage or or brassicas, they stimulate detoxification. But they also have these goitrogens in them that can contribute to hypothyroidism and and goiter, of course. And they so basically they inhibit that iodine uptake by the by the um, the thyroid, so it can't do its job properly. So then you have phytoestrogens. Jesus Christ! Like I mean. Should have had like lectins and oxalates should have been enough, but now, no, it has phytoestrogens. So soy, soy products, flax seeds, nuts, in small amounts, almost negligible amounts in nuts, granted, and then certain 
fruits and vegetables have negligible amounts. So really, phytoestrogens would be soy, soy products. Not a big fan at all of soy products. Um, or in fact, very much against. And I, <laughs> I remember one of my clients. Uh, I looked at her um, her food diary after the first week or two that we started work, working together, and I saw tofu one day. I'm like, so the, uh, the next call was like tofu. Please explain. <laughs> and yeah, we just we had fun with it. But I told her, you know, like uh, tofu. I personally would never eat it. Make of that what you will, and uh, yeah, I don't think she, I don't think I saw tofu again on there. But um, basically, so phytoestrogens. Think about it, estrogen. So if something is a phytoestrogen, it is mimicking some of the estrogen's effects. So it's in shape. Its shape is similar enough to to the estrogen molecule that it can interact with estrogen receptors in the body, and that can cause hormone disruption, hormone imbalances, endocrine disruption, as they call it. And it can also increase the risk of estrogen-sensitive cancers. So like this is actually a massive thing to unpack, the, the endocrine-disrupting capacity of pl- plant compounds. It's huge. Uh, and messing with estrogen is really bad. A lot of, a lot of disease is exacerbated by increased estrogen and you really like you don't want any more estrogen most of the time for most people most people have way too much estrogen and it's causing them them some type of health issue um whether they re- recognize it or not so you don't want any more of these compounds coming into the diet mimicking estrogen effects and 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 doing um uh whatever they do right then you have tannins, so in tea, cocoa, grapes, berries, apples, stone fruits, nuts, beans, and whole grains. Now, of course, some of these things are found in fruits and vegetables. You can't avoid them. But these tannins, they inhibit iron absorption and can negatively impact iron stores. But yes, some of these things are found in, in fruits and vegetables. You can't avoid all of these lectins, oxalates, phytates goitrogens, phytoestrogens, and tannins. You cannot avoid all of them. But what if we look at the ancestral way of of preparing grains and beans and legumes, they would always soak the things and uh, they would ferment things. So soaking beans, the whole point of soaking beans is to inactivate a bunch of these nasty compounds. If you eat a raw wheat, grain or bean or a handful of um, legumes like uh, lentils, you're going to get very sick. You're not going to be a happy camper. So we clearly have to cook these things. And usually it's just a testament, uh, just to kind of what I'm trying to develop here is um, it's a testament if, if a food can be eaten raw, it's 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 one thing but if it can only be eaten via cooking and a lot of preparation it's kind of we have to think about was that back in the day like you know 50,000 years ago where, where we didn't have let's say tools and pots and fire and and ways to and all the knowledge to to prepare these foods do you think that for the longer part of our history we are eating those foods and our bodies are adapted to eat those foods and those are the optimal foods for us what is more likely to have 
to have been the case is we could kill animals and you, you can eat raw meat. I've eaten raw meat for quite a while. It was great until I gave myself parasites. But if I hadn't done that, I would not have, I, I wouldn't have empathy to the folks that I work with that have gut problems because I had gut problems and I had like low, low testosterone. Um, just I was in a bad way because of parasites and because of mistakes I made. So if I hadn't make, made all these mistakes with, with my health journey, I would not have learned what I know now. So I won't be able to, to help teach people to avoid my mistakes and then figure out how to heal themselves, right? So uh, I have no qualms about admitting that, you know, I've, I've done some silly things like eating raw meat and and uh, I, I just have to try everything, you know. I need to try everything. Uh, supplements that I recommend, everything I've I've recommended, I've tried on myself and in much, sometimes in much greater quantities than people take. And anyway, what the hell was I even talking about? Hang on a second. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> so um, back in the day, it's more likely we're finding um, fruit, maybe some honey, if you can, if you can rub some honey from a hive and dead animals. Uh, and, and later we were cooking those animals. So these, these things seem like if you look at, if, if you look at it logically, what was available, those things. And then, you know, eventually, you know, maybe we would dig some tubers and then cook those. But the the nuts and seeds, like here, here's what where we're getting at. So we're talking about uh, a legume. You can't eat it raw. You know that. A, a bean, you can't eat it raw. A grain, you can't eat it raw. But for some reason, people think that an, a nut or a seed can be eaten raw. But they they contain, again, a lot of lectins, oxalates, phytates, uh, sometimes goitrogens, sometimes phytoestrogens, and tannins. And the, if you cook the nuts and seeds, if you roast them or whatever, you're going to inactivate a lot of those. So if you eat them raw, you're not, well, you know, you won't inactivate all of them by cooking, but at least some of them, like the lectins, some of them can be uh, inactivated. Oxalates can't really be inactivated. Um, from what I remember, a phytate can be. So eating like almonds, like someone, if someone is eating almonds, they're thinking they're, it's a good source of this and that, like calcium and stuff. But <clears throat> that a lot of that calcium is bound up to oxalate. So it, it, it's, a, it's a compound that you, you're not going to break apart in your gut. So that, that is either passing through you or causing damage like to your gut lining or something so you're not you're not really getting the nutrition you think you are or whatever is listed let, let, let let's say you five 50 milligrams of calcium per 100 grams of almond you're not actually going to absorb that right a lot of and the protein in in these nuts and beans and seeds that protein it might say you know 20 grams per 100 but you're not going to absorb that much. You'd be lucky if you absorb 50% of that protein. And it's well known that the bioavailability of protein in beans, for example, is 
pretty damn low. It's like in the 40-50%. And milk is, if I remember correctly, it's something like 95%. It's Milk is the most bioavailable protein. <coughs> and the meat is uh, kind of a close second up there. I think it was like 87 or something like that. Don't quote me on that. I'm going to bring that up in another in another episode. But uh, So my point there is if you eat the nuts raw, you're getting a lot of these anti-nutrients that can be inflammatory, damage your gut, inhibit absorption of, of um, various minerals and so on and so forth. And again, I'm not saying I'm not saying you should stop eating nuts and seeds, but I'm certainly thinking it loudly. Just kidding. You do you do you, but I'm just trying to uh, uh, bring you through my my thought process here. It took me it took me a while to to figure these things out. So the whole point of working with people is to help them speed speed their health journey along. And with the free content I provide, I'm hoping to help to relay some of the lessons learned over the years, whether through mistakes or through research, and uh, to either spare you some pain and suffering or to help get you out of pain and suffering faster, right? So if you have health issues, you most certainly may want to consider removing uh, nuts and seeds and grains and, and legumes and beans from your from your diet. Now, you might say, well, look, if if these nuts and seeds have uh anti-nutrients when they're raw, we just cook them. I, I eat roasted um <clears throat> roasted almonds, roasted peanuts, whatever else. And you would think that's a good idea, and sure you might inactivate some of these compounds like lectins, not probably not all, but some lectins will be get will, will get um inactivated some phytates. But the problem is, here's the other problem, right? So you, if you thought it's, we're just talking about, oh, it's just this one problem. It's, the well, set of problems, all these anti-nutrients. There's another massive, massive, massive problem with nuts and seeds. It's the fact that they are very high in polyunsaturated fatty acids, aka the omega-6s, as you may know them. So we know like many people nowadays, they realize they should not or they should exclude seed oils from their diet as much as, as they possibly should be avoided. So you know that soybean, sunflower oil and, and all the other seed oils are bad, really bad for your health. But then if they're bad for, for your health, like are, are nuts and seeds that good for your health? Right. Well, okay. Uh, it's true that the the seed oils are highly concentrated in these omega sixes, especially in oleic acid. I think you, someone was saying that you need to eat something like a kilogram of soy beans to get, I think, like two or three or five, or I don't remember, like a few tablespoons of soybean oil. The amount of linoleic acid you get through that, like let's say five to seven tablespoons, maybe it was, it doesn't matter, several, let's say several tablespoons of oil, you would need to eat like something like a kilogram equivalent uh, of the soybeans in order to get that much linoleic acid, which is impossible. Nobody can do that. 
So yes, they are they are uh, much more concentrated these seed oils. So so they're really really just poison to the body. They're just poison, and I'm not saying that hyperbolically. Poison. These things are poison. We have to do everything we can to remove them from our diet, even if it means not going to restaurants as much. Uh, and like, I don't want to sound orthorexic, but when it comes to this thing, we have to be a little bit orthorexic. Other things, sugar, caffeine, you know, a bit of cocaine on the weekend, that's totally fine. Just kidding. <laughs> of course, a few shots of Jaeger. Um, that's what I said to one of my clients. I saw I saw her eating, uh, she logged Frito-Lay's chips in her food diary. So I, I said, what the hell is this? Listen, I don't, I don't mind if you go do shots of Jaeger in the local bar on the weekend and do lines of Coke off a dirty toilet seat. But please don't, don't buy these seed oil dunked potato chips. You know? So we had a bit of a laugh about that. But honestly, seriously, like this stuff, seed oils, anything doused in it, which is a lot of processed food and a lot of takeout and restaurant food is this is poison. Like we have to see it as poison because if you, if you start looking deeper into the research, seed oils are implicated in so many things, <clears throat> heart disease, diabetes, even cancer. So the, the point I'm trying to make is these nuts and seeds <clears throat> are still a high source of, omega-6 fatty acids. So if you think, let's say, oh, I'm not going to eat so much meat because meat will give you cancer, which is BS, right? That's epidemiological research. No causal evidence there. Just an agenda against meat and whatnot. So if you think, okay, I'm going to replace meat with plant proteins. First of all, I told you already that the bioavailability of these plant proteins is paltry compared to the bioavailability of animal products protein in animal products, but <clears throat> you're getting, not only are you getting these anti-nutrients, lectins, oxalates, phytates, goitrogens, phytoestrogens, and tannins, but you are getting a lot of omega-6 fatty acids, which are pro-inflammatory. They're pro-inflammatory and uh, they oxidize very easily in the body. And they cause when that happens, they cause a lot of damage. And then when that happens, organelles in the cells and blood vessels get damaged. And then what happens after that is you, your antioxidants that are used to defend you against this damage get depleted. And then you can have <clears throat> and then you can have health problems start to slowly occur until such time that you have an overt health problem that your doctor can di diagnose you with. And then from there on it gets really, really bad. So you want to avoid that as much as possible. So that's in a nutshell, why, for the most part, I avoid these um, nut seeds, grains. <clears throat> and again, I say for the most part, in the last month, maybe um, we when we make burritos, I, we love burritos, making, uh, no, not burritos, sorry, tacos. We're making tacos. And uh, once in a while, my wife will add a can of black beans. So maybe in the, the last four to six weeks, we had one or two cans of um, black beans. And we had pizza once, which was white flour, but it was sourdough uh, fermented, done by Italians, really good pizza. That was once in the last few months. And, you know, a bit of corn here and there and um, white rice. And 
the occasional nibble of a, a few nuts or whatever else. But like I had when my wife was away a couple months ago and I was on, on my own in the house and I was just eating really well for a whole month. I, I started throwing things out and, and, and some things I'm going to have in a bag that I'm going to donate a lot of um, cereals and grain, grainy things. And there was a couple of jars of organic peanut butter that I, I just, I just threw them out. I didn't, I don't even have the, 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 I don't even want to donate it peanut butter, you know, because it's, it's really a bad, it's a, unfortunately, we all love peanut butter, I know, but it's a really bad for you food. Uh, roasted, it's a roasted legume with t- a ton of omega-6 fatty acids and lectins and uh, whatever else. And I don't, I don't have the heart to, to give it to uh, someone that, you know, um, needs the support. I, that's not support. That's not giving them support. That's giving them basically poison. I know it's it's a little bit extreme. There is some nutrition in peanut butter and stuff, but it's and you know once in a while, like a couple of tablespoons, once or twice a month is not. If you really like it or your kids like it, it's not the end of the world. But I'm hoping, and this is you can look look it up. There's research. There's plenty of research. This isn't one guy's opinion on the internet. It, it Again, it took me a long time to get here, years and years. And some of the choices I'm making, it's not that I don't like. I like nuts. I like uh, roasted almonds, uh, peanuts. I've been eating since I was a kid. And I like peanut butter and almond butter. And I, it's not that I don't like them. So I'm trying to spread a message because I'm against them. I, I I enjoy a lot of these foods. I like bread and you know, stuff like that. But if we are talking about long-term health, and we, we don't just want to be average, right? we want to be healthy, try to be as close to optimal health as possible, have longevity, not just more years in your life, but life in your years. So we want to stay healthy for longer. And these are foods that are not compatible with those goals of staying disease-free, healthy, with a good, um, with a well-working brain. Um, because again, all these omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids, they're also getting implicated now in Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Because think about it, these things, these polyunsaturated PUFAs are super easily oxidized and they damage, they cause a lot of damage when that happens. And what is dementia and Alzheimer's? It's a lot of brain damage, literally neuronal damage accumulated over time, accumulated over, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. So if you want to not just be physically healthy, but have, you know, a healthy brain also with that, uh, you know, a well-working brain, mind, and all that good stuff, these are not, these foods are not compatible long-term with those goals in in um, insignificant quantities. In insignificant quantities here and there, probably they're, they're, not, they're not that bad, but I would I most certainly would not be eating these things every day or multiple times a day. Like a lot of people, they eat grains with almost every meal. You know, that's, that's a recipe for disaster sooner or later. And many people are doing it for a long time and they're they're like oh but i'm fine well yeah but that's you 
you know your kids might be more sensitive or your spouse might be more sensitive or in 20 years time when you're 60 years old or, or 50 years old maybe that won't be the case or if we actually did some lab work you, you might see you're actually having a lot of health problems and you are masking them with stimulants coffee you know some of these people are already on medications or they're already overweight and yeah you feel fine now but sooner or later it will catch up to you and if you don't care about that that's totally fine but if you do care about that if you do want to again have a, a long lifespan and a long health span then these anti-nutrient full nut seeds um, legumes grains beans are in my opinion well in my view in my educated opinion and view they are not compatible with those goals long term in again in significant quantities so that's what i wanted to cover i know th th this is <laughs> i was on a podcast uh, a couple of days ago and and the dude that was interviewing me he was quite shocked he's like this is the first time i heard anything bad being said about nuts mm -hmm. mm. And actually, I was reading in one of my textbooks here on natural medicine that epidemiological studies do show much better health, people having better health outcomes when there's nuts in the diet. So, but we have to, there, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think these epidemiological studies, there's a lot of confounding factors, right? So uh, I don't think we can just trust epidemiological associational da observational data like that right we have to start looking deeper into the, the mechanisms and when you when you look at the mechanisms of these anti-nutrients and these omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids what they do then you're going to be scared and literally the 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 reason i'm so strict about some of these things is because i understand the mechanisms a little bit deeper that's why i take more supplements than the average person out there and it's it's not because uh, I, I was fooled by some marketing or something like that. It's because I understand the mechanism. Let's say that when I take zinc, what part of my metabolism am I supporting? Or if I take, you know, sunflower lecithin, what am I, what, what things are in that thing? And when it gets into my body, what processes or metabolic functions or parts of the body systems is it supporting? like magnesium or theanine or GABA or glycine or taurine or creatine. Each one of these things I've researched what what it supports. So the reason I include it in, in, in my program or in my client's program is to give support for a specific set of things. So the reason I exclude these foods is not because I read two blog posts on the internet or some, one of my favorite influencers doesn't eat them and like, oh, okay, I'm not going to eat them either. It's because there, there's sound research behind it, right? So that's just food for thought because I, I can see in the mainstream, quote unquote, a lot of people, a lot of people perceive a lot of things as healthy that are actually not healthy, like spinach. I have to do a whole episode on spinach, but the the long and short of it is spinach is full of oxalate. And uh, especially if you don't buy it organic, you're getting it also probably sprayed with some some poison. And uh, I read uh, a rec recently, I read a study that only five percent of the calcium in spinach 
is bioavailable because most of it is bound to uh, oxalate. So there's a health food for you, especially when you eat it raw. A lot of a lot more anti nutrients <laughs> are are you know inactivated and uh, are still active. So if you don't cook the spinach, that's even worse. You're getting a lot of extra anti nutrients. If you do cook it, you inactivate some of those anti nutrients, and you might make the magnesium more bioavailable. So there there are ways to to go about it, but it's not as bad. But a lot of people that are you know, having a green smoothie in the morning with spinach and a banana and some strawberries and that. Some of those things are actually not not really good for you. But in the mainstream, it's these things are being sort of they have like a life of their own. They're being uh, perpetuated. But when you actually start breaking down mechanisms and 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 nutrients and things con- containing these um, compounds or uh, com- compounds contained in these plants, uh, plant foods. You start to understand things better. That's why, that's why sometimes if you, if if someone looks at what I eat in a day, they'll be like, "Oh Jesus Christ! You know, you're you're not eating enough vegetables. You're eating way too much meat. You're, you weigh too much cholesterol. Uh, you're gonna give yourself, you know, heart disease with all that cholesterol and da da da. You know. So, but once you understand the the method behind the madness, things make a lot more sense. So that's why I'm I'm trying to share some of my research along the way with you. Hopefully you found this useful. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on the next episode. And if you need, again, if you need help with health-related stuff, if you've been unable to get help, my goal is to be the last practitioner you need to see, apart from your regular checkups with your with your physician every year and whatever else or if you if you have an acute thing that you need to see them for of course not that's not what i do but if it's something sort of nebulous maybe it's not even diagnosed but it's something that's bothering you whether it's sleep skin gut fatigue headaches food intolerances mood even mood stuff if you're feeling crappy no motivation a lot of these things are biochemical in nature, metabolic in nature. And there are ways to improve the functioning of the metabolism of the body. And a lot of these things will go away. So get in touch with me if you need help. It would be an honor to serve you and partner with you on your health journey. Uh, Otherwise, hope you found this episode uh, useful or at least thought-provoking. And I'll see you on the next one. Thanks.